Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee, by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Killers, as we know, have a tendency to take advantage of those in desperate situations. On March 3rd, 1921, a woman was sentenced for crimes she committed against not only the most innocent of victims, but the mothers who felt they had no way out of their desperate situation. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Dahmer Overby was born on April 23rd, 1887 to two farmhands in the small town called Assendrup, Denmark. Growing up with very little, Dalmar was described as a melancholy child who, despite being the top of her class, had a penchant for lying and stealing from almost anyone. One day, when caught stealing from her neighbor's wallet at the age of 12, Dalmar was sent to a farmhouse in Funen, where she worked as a maid and a farmhand. Despite the fact that her arrival was a form of punishment and the long, hard hours that she worked, Dalmar grew to love the family whom she worked for, and they loved her just the same. 
holding her a communion party because they knew her family could never afford it. For the next handful of years, Dalmar worked from home to home throughout Funen until her sticky fingers got her into trouble once more and she was imprisoned for 10 days before moving to our house and getting a job as a waitress. It was here that she met her first boyfriend and, though the marriage was short-lived, Dalmar walked away with a young son, a boy who, later, died under suspicious circumstances with the autopsy noting a blue tint rimming the child's mouth and determining the cause of death to be pneumonia. Rumors swirled about her son's death, but by 1912, Dalmar had found another man to occupy her time. When she moved in with this man, a cobbler, she was already pregnant with a child that was not his. The man could not accept this reality, and the baby was placed up for adoption. A year later, she was pregnant for a third time, but the boyfriend suggested she end the pregnancy. She refused out of fear for her own life, and the couple left the baby in a haystack at a nearby farm. After giving away two children for this man, Dalmar was devastated to learn that he did not want to marry her. Heartbroken, she drank ether to try and end her own life. But when her attempt was unsuccessful, she recovered, reclaimed the child she placed up for adoption three years prior, named her Arena, and moved to Copenhagen to start anew. Soon, Dalmar opened up her own candy store and, in addition to being a new mother, started dating and moved in with one of her frequent customers named Svedson. One day, while reading a newspaper in her new home, Dalmar found an advertisement that said a child needed to be put up for adoption and that the fee to whoever took them was quite substantial. It was at this moment that her early life of petty crimes, in combination with this advertisement, inspired her to take on an age-old tragedy. In a time where birthing a child outside wedlock was highly frowned upon, Dalmar found a new job. With little to no choice when it came to their pregnancies and abortion being illegal, mothers put out advertisements and Dalmar answered. After accepting her first child, who earned her a monthly payout from the father's alimony, Dalmar took a long walk with the baby and ended up behind a bush at a local cemetery where she choked them to death and left their body in a nearby lavatory. She then went home and wrote a letter to the mother assuring her that her child was well and was not crying out at all. The body was found three days later and no one involved was the wiser. Fourteen days after taking this baby's life, Dalmar accepted another charge and dumped this one under a bridge, justifying her actions by saying she felt as though she was doing society and the baby a favor. That, quote, bastards were outcasts in society and she was saving them and their poor mothers from decades of harsh treatment. In total, between 1913 and 1920, Dalmar Overby took in and murdered as many as 25 different children. 25 children who never had a chance, and 25 mothers who thought their babies were adopted off into a better life. These children were choked or drowned in a bathtub and had their bodies hidden or burned in Dalmar's stove. And when a parent came by to check on their baby, Dalmar would simply show them one of the other children she had in her care as a decoy. In 1917, she gave birth to her first child with Svedson, and unfortunately, the baby died soon after their birth, devastating Dalmar to the point where, upon receiving their newest baby for the business, she spared the child's life and accepted him as one of her own. That baby was named Angelo, and he became one of the only children spared from her deadly business. Eventually, Svedson was sent to prison on robbery charges, and in his absence, Dalmar and her two children— 
Angelo and Irina, moved from his apartment to one in a different neighborhood. Shortly after the move, a young mother named Caroline Agassin, after placing an ad looking for an adoptive family for her daughter, handed over both the baby and the necessary cash payment for her safekeeping. However, the very next day, Caroline had second thoughts about her decision and went back to Dalmar's apartment to ask for her child. When she arrived, Dalmar delivered the wonderful news that her baby had already been adopted. Yet when she asked for the new family's address, Dalmar said she could not remember. This was enough to arouse suspicion in Caroline, who went straight to the police and reported the incident. The police soon arrived at Dalmar's door on September 12, 1920, and began their search. At first, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. They found loads of baby clothes and items needed for their care, which, considering she kept them until they found their new family, made perfect sense. However, when they dug a little bit further, they made a horrific discovery. The charred remains of a small child inside of the woman's stove. They also found 20 or so photographs of naked babies taken shortly before their deaths. Given what they found, the police arrested Dalmar right then and there, and back at the station, she confessed to killing 16 children. As the press got wind of the arrest, dubbing Dalmar Overby the angel maker, with as many as 180 children being reported missing as a result of the news, the courts tried to figure out the motives for her horrific crimes something Dalmar herself didn't seem to have an explanation for and denied money was her main incentive. Despite her confessions and with still no idea the motive, the courts found Dalmar guilty of nine murders and on March 3, 1921, sentenced her to death. She was the first woman sentenced to death since 1861, but after the monarch said, we don't put our women to death, the sentence was commuted to life imprisonment. The trial, at the time, became one of the most talked about in Danish history, and as a result, changed the legislation on childcare as a whole. It finally recognized the responsibility the government had for unwanted children, and in 1923, a law was passed that required the establishment of public homes for children born out of wedlock, creating the groundwork of what we now know as the foster care system. On May 6, 1929, at the age of just 42 years old, Dalmar Overby died while behind bars. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on March 4th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.